SEP Fanfic Readings presents Aurelian by Biddy Blue Eyes. Chapter 34 Farewell, Home Sweet Home. Hermione tried to remember the last time she had waited so anxiously, but was unable to come up with an answer. She was too distracted by worry to think on it properly. Once Harry had left for the ministry, she had helped Molly wake Arthur, Ginny, and Ron. She had quickly checked in on Aurelian, who still slept, and left him in peace. The dreamless sleep draft would allow him to sleep for a few more hours still. Everyone had gathered in the kitchen to await Harry's return, but they were left waiting much longer than they had anticipated. They debated whether or not they should make a quick trip to the burrow for clothes, but decided they wouldn't until they had talked it over with Harry. Instead, they summoned clothes from where they were. Molly, through years of practice, was quite accomplished at summoning and was able to get clothing for herself and her husband. Ron and Draco, too, were able to summon their favorite outfits— because of their familiarity with them. Ginny, however, had difficulty, and it took her a good thirty minutes to summon an outfit, and another ten minutes to summon an outfit for Hermione. Hermione had been flustered to discover that she was unable to summon any of her clothing. She knew that she had the skill and was extremely aggravated by her unsuccessful attempts. After twenty minutes of trying, she finally let the aching suspicion inside of her settle. The Death Eaters must have put up a ward that prevented her from summoning anything else from her home. As such, she was unable to summon either of her shield cloaks, and borrowed Harry's wool shield cloak instead. It was rather large on her, but it was better than none at all. Harry finally returned to Grimmauld Place a little more than two hours after he had left. He still wore his pajamas beneath his silk shield cloak, but he insisted that he would not waste any more time by changing into something more appropriate. After a very brief three-minute update, their group of six exited Grimmauld Place and disapparated. Molly and Narcissa stayed behind with Aurelian. Three resounding pops echoed through the neighborhood as Harry, Hermione, and Draco took Ginny, Ron, and Arthur via side-along apparition. They appeared beside a tree on the side of Grievy's property. Harry said nothing as he released Ginny's hand and led the way to the front door. He rapped firmly on the front door and waited impatiently for someone to answer. He glanced over his shoulder at the group and was glad to see that all of them had their wands held tightly by their sides. The door opened slowly, and the skinny form of Dennis Creevy looked on them with fear and confusion. "'Harry?' he asked nervously. "'What? What?' "'Let us in, Dennis. It's important,' Harry interrupted. Dennis paled and nervously opened the door. Harry swept in and pointed the others to the sitting room. "'Get your parents. We need to talk.' Harry's strong voice and serious mien did nothing to assuage Dennis's worry. The, "'They're getting ready for work. What? What?' "'Now, Dennis,' Harry insisted. Dennis nodded dumbly and disappeared down the hall. Harry walked into the sitting room and glanced at the others. He always seemed to have a difficult time looking people in the eye when he was in such a stony and determined mood. They listened as words were exchanged across the house, but they were unable to hear what was said. Dennis reappeared less than a minute later with his parents behind him. "'Mr. Potter, is something wrong?' Mr. Creevy asked in a businesslike tone. "'Yes,' Harry answered honestly. "'They know that Dennis knows something.' "'What?' Dennis breathed in panic. The Death Eaters know that he knows something, and we're afraid they're going to come for him, Harry said frankly. We need to get you to safety. We ask that you go pack your things immediately. Pack? You want us to leave? Mr. Creevy asked in surprise. These are very dangerous people, Mr. Creevy, Harry answered. Yes, but can't you use some sort of magic to keep them away? He persisted. There are wards we can use, but wards can be broken. It's not safe to keep you here. These people are serious. If they find you, they will kill you. Harry said darkly. Mrs. Creevy's teacup slipped through her fingers and broke upon the floor. 
Hermione repaired the cup and Ron cleaned the mess without a word. Where will you send us? Mrs. Creevy worried. We can't go to the magical world. And what about work? I'm sorry, but we really don't have the time to discuss things here. I've talked to a woman I know and she's agreed to have you, Harry replied. None of you are allergic to cats, are you? Ron asked. At Ginny's irritable glare, he muttered a quick, never mind. Please go pack your things as quickly as you can and we'll explain more when we get there, said Harry. Pack only what you need. Dennis, can you pack magically? Um, a, a little, Dennis stammered. Not all that well. Arthur, would you mind helping him? Harry asked. At Mr. Weasley's nod, Harry turned to Draco. What about you, Malfoy? How are you with magical packing? Skilled, he answered. I'll go with his parents. Harry nodded, and the group disappeared from the room. Mr. Creevy's arm wrapped supportively around his wife's shoulders. I'll go put up wards, Hermione offered. Not without... I'll go with her, Ron interrupted. Harry nodded again, and Ginny stepped up beside him. What about me? she asked. Keep an eye on the back door. I'll watch the front. As soon as everyone had left him, the world suddenly felt eerily silent and empty. He had a foreboding sense inside him. The world was not the same since Hermione had been attacked only hours before. He anxiously checked his watch and looked up as Mr. Weasley re-entered the room. He's all packed, Mr. Weasley declared, setting Dennis's trunk down near the front door. Harry, are they really... Stupefy! Harry shouted suddenly. Protego! Mr. Weasley's shield charm burst forth just in time to protect Harry from a shot of orange light that had been directed straight towards his chest. Potter's here! Rebastin proclaimed as he moved aside, his brother and sister-in-law following in the front door after him. His statement was quite unnecessary, as Bellatrix and Rodolphus had already spotted him and were casting fierce spells in quick succession. "'Dad! Harry!' Ginny cried, bursting into the room. "'Go, Ginny!' Arthur commanded. "'Protego!' Harry shouted, blocking Ginny from harm. "'Expelliarmus!' "'Harry!' Hermione cried as she burst through the back door with Ron, two more Death Eaters filling in after them. "'They're stupefy! It's Granger! Get Granger!' Bellatrix ordered. "'Potter!' Draco yelled down the stairs. Leave! Harry shouted above the rest. Everybody, leave! In the short time it took Harry to call out the order, a spell slipped past his guard. Mr. Weasley was only just able to cast the shield charm in time, but received a red shot to his chest by another. Dad! Ginny shrieked. Out! Harry ordered again. He quickly took hold of Dennis's wrist and disapparated. It was only a split second later that Harry stumbled forward onto a sidewalk in a quiet neighborhood. The quiet, calm atmosphere felt all wrong as he looked around angrily for the others in his group. He was just about to apparate back when popping sounds snapped around him in different directions. Potter! Draco called in panic, instantly releasing the wrist of Mr. and Mrs. Creevy. Dennis! His mother shouted, throwing her arms around her pale son. Hermione! Ron asked, looking around the group. Dad! Jin! With another pop, Hermione appeared with a trunk by her side. You went after the trunk? Draco fumed. "'No!' Hermione shouted indignantly. She had barely had a chance to look around. "'I ran upstairs and tripped over it. It shielded me, and I disapparated.' Draco could see that she was telling the truth by the burn mark that was still smoking in the center of the trunk. "'Ginny?' Harry said in a panic as he looked around the group. "'Arthur! Ginny! I'm going—' "'Harry!' Hermione yelled, yanking at his shirt and pointing to his left. His heart pounded as he saw Ginny's spectral horse galloping towards them. "'Dad and I are fine.' Ginny's voice echoed from her Patronus. I just apparated to the wrong street. We're on our way. Merlin's beard, a shrill voice called from behind them. What on earth are you doing here? Get inside. 
An old woman with grizzled gray hair hurried down the stairs in a boxy floral shift and tartan slippers. "'In!' she insisted when the group continued to stare. "'Sorry, Mrs. Fig. We had some problems,' Harry apologized. "'Obviously, which is all the more reason to get out of plain sight. Apparating in the open and playing with Patronuses is going to attract all the wrong attention,' she scolded. "'All right. Just... Hermione?' "'I've checked, Harry. No muggle saw,' she answered. "'I got the same result,' Ron said, slipping his wand into his pocket. It was quite complex in theory, but a rather simple spell in execution. Ron, Hermione, and Harry, working in law enforcement, needed to learn the spell that would reveal if any muggle in the area had witnessed a form of magic. Harry was glad that the other two were on it, as he was much too concerned with other things. "'I'll wait for them.' "'I'll wait with her,' Draco offered. Harry took one last look down the walk, hoping to see Ginny, before he conceded and followed the others inside the house. "'Are you okay?' Hermione and Draco asked one another in unison. "'I'm fine,' said Draco. "'I looked in downstairs, then just took the creavies. I know Potter said it was safe to apparate with muggles, but I was still worried. I didn't know if they'd be more difficult, and I had two of them.' "'No, they're no different,' Hermione told him. "'So long as you perform the magic, they're along for the ride. It was more difficult with two side-alongs, though. You did well.' "'I still feel like I should have been with the rest of you. "'Are you okay?' he asked again. "'Yeah, just shaken,' she answered. "'She looked up at him and saw the rage burning inside of him. "'I know,' she said, coaxing his fist open so that she could hold his hand. "'She felt an odd mixture of relief and anger with a hint of lingering fear. "'They had known the Creevies were in danger, "'but she still had not expected to see Bellatrix and her crew there. "'Hermione!' Ginny called from the corner. "'Ginny! Arthur! Are you all right?' Hermione returned, racing towards them. "'Yes. Where are the others?' Arthur asked quickly. "'Inside. Everyone's fine. We were just waiting for you. What happened?' "'Dad was unconscious. I took him side along, but I was distracted. I just narrowly missed a spell before I apparated, and I ended up on Privet Drive instead of Wisteria Walk,' Ginny explained. "'Are you sure you're okay?' Draco asked Mr. Weasley. "'Yes. It was just a rebounding stunning spell,' he answered. When he said rebounded— Hermione immediately wondered if it might have been one of their own. It was rare for Death Eaters to use spells that simply incapacitated their targets. "'You're lucky that's all it was,' Ginny said, looking at her father with eyes began to sting with water. "'I know,' he replied, "'but it's good to know that luck is still on our side. Just don't tell your mother that I was hit.' Ginny and Hermione nodded in understanding. It was always difficult for Molly to stay behind— it was an argument that she had given up years ago, with exception of guard duty over the Department of Ministries and the Battle of Hogwarts. Arthur was firm against her fighting for fear that she would get hurt. The argument that won her over was that he didn't feel it was safe for any of their family if she was going to be there. There was something in a person, a strong attachment that made one want to protect their mother or wife. It was different than others. It was not that one would think less of their other comrades or family members. There was just something about one's mother or wife. It would be dangerous for everyone if they were fighting as much to protect their mother as for themselves. In the same way, if not stronger, there was the desperate need for a mother to protect her children and husband. Were Molly there, she would be too concerned with her children's safety to protect herself. And she would need to. It was with that argument that Molly conceded to wait behind each time. She was the cornerstone of the family, and she would be the solid, steady constant for them. She would always be there when they returned, but the position was not without pain. She was always greatly distressed as she prayed for their safe return. It would only frighten her more to know that her husband had been hexed. "'You go on inside,' Hermione suggested. "'I've got to set up the wards.' It was a tired phrase for her. It came up from time to time in her line of work, 
but she had performed more words in the past week than she had in the past year. It reminded her too much of the wards she directed daily when she, Harry, and Ron were on the run, and she ached just thinking about it. She had seen them in hiding in the pensive memories also. She didn't ever want to have to hide like that. She thought of the safety of Grimmauld Place, and it helped ease her slightly. Draco escorted Hermione in silence as she walked around the property, and when she finished her third round, they finally entered the house. Draco's nose crinkled instantly. The house smelled terribly of cabbages and cats. The decor was just as harsh on the eyes, Draco decided, with its mismatched furniture covered in crocheted covers and strange ornamental figurines on every surface. All the contrasting colors and styles made the house feel quite cluttered. He was sure she was some kind of old woman just by the sight of her, but he was rather glad it was not himself staying with Mrs. Fig. He nearly leapt out of his skin when a black-and-white purring critter rubbed up against his leg. It only took him a glance to see that the animal was a combination between a cat and a nasal. Harry had not said, but he got the impression that the woman must be a squib. She did not live with enough magic to make her a normal witch, but she was certainly no stranger to the wizarding world. Now, as I've said, Harry continued his ongoing speech as Hermione and Draco stepped in to listen, Dennis is now restricted to this property. He cannot leave. It is still under the order of the court, and with that, it is our responsibility to keep him safe. We extend this protection to you as well, he told the Creevies, but we cannot and will not be responsible for you should you leave the property. We cannot keep you here, but I strongly recommend that you do not leave. What about work? Mr. Creevy asked. How are we meant to explain this? How are we supposed to support ourselves? Think up a good excuse for a long-time absence and call your work with it. When this is all done, we can meet with your boss and make sure that he or she believes the story. As for money, as long as you submit to wizard protection rules, money will be given to support you while in hiding. It will take care of your mortgage, for one. And should any damage come to your house while you are gone, the ministry will take care of that as well, Ron explained. I know this isn't ideal, but it's safe and the best we can offer. Thank you, Dennis said earnestly. I can't thank you enough. Thank Mrs. Fig, Harry told them. Dennis nodded. Don't forget that coin to contact us, and your Patronus will work just as well. It's only for emergencies, though. I understand. We'll contact you soon. Harry, Hermione said tentatively as they made their way to the door. My parents. Harry stopped in his tracks. He hadn't thought of them before, but he saw Hermione's concern. I had my suspicions that Bellatrix wanted me, but it's obvious now. She wants revenge on me. Maybe for the book, or perhaps the ring. But she wants me. I'm afraid she'll go after my parents. I need to get them to safety, Hermione said, trying to suppress the tears that threatened to form. Yes, he agreed, you should go to them. I don't think the chances are high that he'll be targeted, but Blaze's name was on that paper as well. I think I'm going to go see him at work and see if he'll allow me to put up some wards on his flat. Thank you, Draco said. He felt a strong wave of gratitude towards Harry for considering his best friend's safety. Do you want someone to go with you? Ron asked. No, I'll be fine, he assured them. As I said, I don't think he'll be targeted. It only said that he was promoted. I'll make sure he accompanies me. We should be fine, just the two of us. The rest of you should go with Hermione. Be careful, Jenny told him. I will. All of you, as well. Be vigilant, Harry reminded them. Constant vigilance, Ron said with a sad smile, remembering Moody's motto. You too. Hermione entered through the front door of Grimmauld Place with her head bowed in silence. Too exhausted to take the extra few steps to the front hall closet, she lazily banished Harry's wool cloak to its rightful place. 
Draco also was too tired to be bothered with his cloak and just left it on as he followed Hermione into the sitting-room. "'Hermione!' Molly said with relief when the girl entered the room. She quickly got to her feet and moved over toward her. Hermione followed the movement, off to her side, and saw that Narcissa had also risen to her feet. "'The others told me that you and Draco were escorting your parents to your aunt and uncle's house in their car, but I hadn't realized it would take so long. I've been so worried. Did everything go okay?' "'Yeah, it went as planned,' she said wearily. "'Oh, love, I know that had to be hard. Are you doing all right?' Molly asked, consolingly placing a hand on her arm. "'Yeah, I'm all right.' She spoke the answer as much to herself as she did the others, but she convinced no one as her strained voice belied her answer. "'Oh, Hermione,' Molly cooed, pulling Hermione into a comforting embrace. Hermione felt herself begin to crack again. It had taken so much strength and control to not break down completely in front of her parents. She had to retain her strong composure and confidence so that her parents would not worry, as much for her. I just hate that I had to send them away again. I hate that they're in danger again, all because of me. Oh, love, it's not your fault. You know that, and I'm sure your parents do as well, Molly replied. I know. They're worried for me. It hurts me just to know that. It's times like these that makes me wonder if they would just be happier if I had left them as Wendell and Monica Wilkins. Hermione's voice quivered, and she felt her tears begin to slowly run down her cheeks. Now what is that? Molly gently admonished, pulling her back to look her in the eyes. You can't possibly mean that. Your parents love you dearly. No matter what troubles fall, they will always love you. You know that. Tell me you do. I do. It's just so hard sometimes. I don't want them to have to go through this, Hermione replied, sniffling and pulling back her tears. No one should have to go through this. Your parents most certainly feel the same for you, said Molly. We'll get through this. Hermione nodded. She believed in herself and her friends. They would get through it just like they got through all the previous trials. She just had to take everything one step at a time. Mummy! Aurelian's cry burst with emotion the moment he entered the room. With that one word, Hermione felt his residual pain and fright, his hope and his immense relief. It was with great desperation that the boy raced to his mother. Hermione bent down and captured him in her tight embrace, having as much a need for him as he for her. "'He's been asking for you since he woke a few hours ago,' Narcissa told her. "'Mummy okay?' Aurelian asked, placing a tiny hand on her cheek. "'Mummy's just fine now,' she answered, pulling him tighter. There were no words to convey what she felt at that moment, so she put all that she was into expressing her feelings into the warmth of the hug, her relief, her love, her remorse. It was in the way he snuggled her hard against her shoulder that she realized that Molly had been right. There was no way he could comprehend the attack the night before, but he understood, he knew, that his mother loved him. "'I love you,' she whispered into his ear. "'I love you too, Mummy,' Aurelian told her just as softly. Hermione held him in her arms and moved to the sofa where she sat down and continued to hold him against her chest. Draco followed silently and sat beside them, gently stroking Aurelian's hair. Hermione, love, you look exhausted. Why don't you go get some rest? I'm certain you need it, Molly suggested. I am. I do. But I just want to stay right here now, Hermione answered. She found the comfort she needed in the small boy in her lap. He needed her, and she couldn't bear the thought of letting him go. Hermione, you're back. George? Fred? When did you get here? Hermione asked. We got Mum's owl early this morning. We personally went to tell Charlie and Percy and Bill about what happened, Fred started. They said they'd come here immediately after work. Fred and I decided not to open the shop, though. 
We wanted to make sure everyone was all right. That you were all right, George finished. His last statement prompted her for a response. Yeah, I'm okay, she answered them. They nodded. They didn't fully believe it, but they appreciated her lie. It would have hurt too much if she had confirmed that she was still hurting and that the attack would haunt her for a long time to come. So, Molly prompted, capturing the twins' attention, did you get everything? Yep, everything. With exception of the kitchen sink. It wasn't on your list. We could always go back for it if you want, George smirked. Very smart, Molly said sarcastically. Ginny got all she needed also? Yeah, she's taking her things up to the room now. Ron, too. Dad's got your things in his. Everything else is down in the kitchen. Creature is looking indignant, but also quite excited at all of your kitchen gadgets. I dare say the kitchen supplies haven't been updated around here in a good hundred years, smirked Fred. Wait, what are you talking about? Hermione asked with concern. You went to the burrow? Yeah, I guess you all talked about it this morning, said George. The burrow and Malfoy Manor are well warded, but until we can put up the Fidelius charm, it's best that our family and the Malfoys stay here. All that still stay at the burrow, anyway, Fred corrected. The rest of us should be okay, we think. Georgie and I just finished adding extra wards to our flat. We've never really been personally targeted. We don't anticipate trouble. Yeah, we talked it all through, but I was supposed to go along. I want to set up a monitoring charm around the burrow, Hermione said in frustration. We know and we greatly appreciate it, Molly told her. But we knew you'd be exhausted when you got back. The burrow was heavily warded and should be fine for now. You can set up the monitoring spell later, once you've had a good rest. You haven't gone to the manor yet, have you? Draco asked. Not yet. Your mom said you'd probably like to collect your own things, Fred answered. But we're ready to go when you are. Narcissa and Draco both nodded. I'll come too, said Hermione. The papers recording the monitoring spell are still in my flat, so I'd like to redo those spells as well. Hermione, Draco said with light exasperation. There's time. You admitted you're tired and that you want to spend some time with Aurelian, and you should. Don't worry about it just now. Once we get some rest, I'll go with you toward both the burrow and the manor, all right? Hermione sighed heavily, but didn't know what she felt for certain. She appreciated their kind concern, and truthfully didn't want to go out again so soon, but there was so much to do, and she really didn't like people telling her what she should be doing. Just hurry back. I will, he said. I'm ready. Draco patted Hermione's knee and stood up from his place on the sofa. Aurelian instantly sat up in Hermione's lap and reached out for him. No! Daddy, no go! It's okay, buddy. I'll be right back, Draco told him. No! No go! he protested. I have to, but I'll be right back. I'm just going to make a quick trip to the manor to get some clothes, Draco explained. Everyone is going to be staying here together for a while. It's safe here, remember? We'll all be safe here together. I just need to collect some things and I'll be right back. I promise. Raelian pouted. It was obvious that he didn't want his father to go, but the sincere promise of his quick return persuaded him to consent. Narcissa, you should borrow my shield cloak, Molly offered, just as a precaution. Thank you, she replied. Yeah, and when you get back, if you give us a few minutes, we can have you fitted for your own, George offered. No one should be without one, Fred concurred. Let's head down to the kitchen and let Potter know we're ready, Draco suggested. Hermione closed her eyes and pulled her son to her chest again. His presence gave her an unexplainable strength. He considered her invincible, unfailingly pillar of strength and a house of protection. Somehow, as frail and helpless as she felt on her own, in his presence she became what he needed, fueled by his indomitable faith. 
Hey, Mum, I thought I'd let you know that we made it back, Jenny said as she entered the room and collapsed into the first armchair. When her head lolled to the side, she spotted Hermione and her eyes opened in surprise. Hermione, you're back! Did everything go all right? When did you get back? She just got here a few minutes ago, and yes, I heard you all did okay. Your brothers came to let me know, Molly said. They're just about to head over to Malfoy Manor. Ginny sighed. I better get up then. I was hoping we'd be able to fit lunch in first. I'm starving, she lamented as she pushed herself out of the chair. Well, Creature and Perny are working on lunch now, so it should be ready when you return, Molly told her. You could stay behind, though, and I could get you something to tide you over. I'm sure they have enough people with them. No, I'm definitely going, Ginny stated simply. I'll just have lunch to look forward to when I get back. Ginny nodded to Hermione, not knowing what to say. She was ready for more business. The girl that poked through, complaining of hunger, was once again concealed in serious, strong woman that the last war had created. It seemed that everyone had gained that strong, guarded self. There was one's true self, and one's armored self, the fierce, determined, battle-ready mode that was called upon when one's body, mind, and heart were otherwise too weak on their own. "'Mummy, I hungry, too,' said Aurelian. Hermione smiled softly at the pitiful plea in his beautiful gray eyes. "'Well, perhaps we can get you an apple while we wait for lunch. What do you think?' With Aurelian's tiny hand in hers, they descended the stairs to the basement kitchen with Molly. The others must have been waiting for Ginny because she had left the sitting room only minutes before, and the entire group had already left. The only others left in the room were the two house elves, Creature, who stood on a stool at the counter, and Perny, who was setting the table. "'Lunch is now ready,' Perny announced. "'Thank you,' said Hermione. "'I think Ori will take his now.' With a snap of her fingers, Perny filled Aurelian's plate. His face lit up when he saw his plate of baked ham, macaroni and cheese, and applesauce. All three dishes were some of his favorites. Hermione had the sneaking suspicion that Molly had requested those specific items just for him, and she was grateful. She glanced hungrily at his plate, and her stomach growled. Racked with worry, she had only had a few bites of toast for breakfast, and she waited for Harry to return from the ministry. It was only out of manners, not wanting to eat before the others, that she denied herself lunch. But when Molly suggested that she start eating, Hermione couldn't find it in her to protest. Her plate was filled instantly, and it was again, only with manners, that she restrained herself from tearing into it like a wild beast and reservedly chewed each bite. Hermione and Molly glanced regularly at the fireplace as they waited for the others to return. They believed that it was unlikely that Bellatrix would plan an attack of any kind so shortly after the attack on the Creevy's home, but they couldn't help worrying about everyone. It seemed like ages later, though it was more like twenty minutes, when the fireplace chimed and Ginny appeared amongst the green flames. Oh, good, I'm famished, she said as she looked at the table. She dropped the crate of books she arrived with beside the fireplace and moved automatically to the empty seat across from Hermione. Molly and Hermione smirked with amusement. Her casual return did much to ease their fears. Only a few seconds after Ginny took her seat, Narcissa stepped out of the fire with a trunk in her hand. Mistress, can Perny take Mistress's things to her room? Perny offered. Yes, please, Perny, she answered. How did it go? Molly asked. Without a hitch, Ginny replied. Miss Narcissa, lunch is prepared now. Can Creature be serving you now? Creature offered, filling Ginny's plate with a simple snap. In just a minute, Narcissa answered offhandedly. She never took her eyes off of the fire as she waited for her son. Draco appeared with the next chime, his arms overladen with both his and his mother's possessions. He had a trunk in one hand, a few sets of robes draped over his arm, and another large crate of books balancing on his shoulder with one arm to steady it. 
Hermione could tell by his stance that the grimace on his face that he had most likely bruised his elbow in travel. One had to be careful when traveling the flu with luggage. They made you carry it all yourself? Jenny chortled in disbelief. Did you upset them, or were they just that oblivious? I'm fine, Draco said quietly, setting the things down beside the fire. What's with all the books anyway? Jenny asked, taking a large bite of ham. She was often sweet and tender, and quite girlish, but Jenny also took after her brothers. It seemed that you never really knew what you were going to get with her. She could be refined one moment, sitting with her legs crossed politely, and in the next moment be sitting with her legs spread open, leaning forward with her elbows on her knees. One trait that would never seem to change was her candidness. After many years, Hermione believed she had figured her out. The girl seemed to be a bit more crude when she was tired, hungry, or discussing Quidditch. She found it too difficult to be gentle and urbane in such situations. The books are rather dark in nature, and some that I would rather my sister not come across should she pay a visit to my home, Narcissa answered. We have quite the extensive library at the manor, much of which has been passed down through several generations, Draco explained, hoping they would not believe that he or his mother regularly purchased books on dark arts. He saw, though, that Ginny really wasn't all that interested. She seemed far more interested in her meal. Draco set the things down beside the fireplace and quietly took the seat on the other side of Aurelian. A crack sounded in the room, and he looked up to see a bright smile of Perny beaming in his direction. "'Master is back. Can Perny be taking Master's things upstairs as well, sir?' she asked. "'Yes, thank you, Perny. When you're done, I also give you permission to return to the manor to collect whatever things you might like. Make quick work of it, though. When you're done, I'm afraid I must order you not to leave Grimald Place. I apologize, but it's for your own safety.' "'We're all going to be staying here for a while,' Draco said quietly. "'Perny understands, sir. Please do not worry for Perny. Perny has already asked Mr. Harry Potter if she may use a space in the attic. Perny is quite comfortable there, sir,' she replied. "'Good,' he said with genuine relief. He thanked Creature when his plate was magically filled and returned to silence. "'Merlin, what on earth is keeping the others?' Molly snapped suddenly. "'I was wondering the same thing,' Jenny said, scowling at the fireplace. Draco cleared his throat uncomfortably and spoke with reluctance. They're not coming back yet. They had another stop to make. What? The women in the room chorused in different levels of surprise and anger. Draco did not lift his eyes from his plate when he continued. They decided it would be a good time to collect some things from Hermione's flat. What? Hermione and Molly demanded angrily. What are you talking about? When did they decide that? Why didn't they tell me? Ginny rattled off, getting to her feet in anger. I guess they just talked it over before we left for the manor. Potter told me when he was watching me pack. He didn't tell you because he didn't want you to come, Draco stated. Before Ginny could indignantly reply, Hermione cut in angrily. And me? It's my home. I should have gone with them. I should have at least been told. He wanted you there even less, Draco answered, stealing a glance at the angry witch just one chair down from him. Aurelian looked confused, and Draco felt quite sorry for it. Your flat isn't like the manor or the burrow. It doesn't have wards. It's a lot more dangerous. Potter didn't want either of you there for that reason. That's why it's important to have larger numbers, Jenny fumed. That's it. I'm going. No, Draco said firmly. He leapt up from the table and stood in front of Jenny to keep her from getting any closer to the fireplace. What? Are you going to stop me? Jenny challenged derisively, pulling out her wand. Draco's wand was drawn as well. "'That's my assignment,' Draco answered, clearly displeased with his post. "'Are you serious?' Hermione shouted. "'They told you to make sure we didn't follow them. 
It's my house. Why didn't you try to stop them instead of standing in our way? Jinny asked with the fire in her eyes. It was obvious that she was debating whether or not to make a move. They're protective of you. They had already decided as a group. I'm sure you all know that Potter isn't easy to sway when he's made up his mind, Draco said, not looking at all threatened by the angry redhead. Not to mention, I happen to agree with him. You admitted yourself, Hermione, and we all saw it at the Creevies. Bellatrix holds something personal against you now. The women in the room were all silent. It was an uncomfortable silence. His father had always told him that a silent woman was an unhappy woman, and that certainly seemed to be the case. He accepted it as a blessing, though. Ginny and Hermione's arms were crossed angrily, and Ginny returned to her seat with a huff. They planned to make it a quick trip. They should be back shortly. Just, just eat your lunch. In a childish move, Ginny pushed her plate away from her, partly in defiance, but partly because the fear she tried to deny had stripped away her appetite. Hermione felt similarly concerned, but tried her best to suppress it. Her thoughts traveled to her flat. She hadn't had time to spare more than a passing thought to it. Imagining her friends there, she couldn't help but wonder its state. She was certain it would be a mess. After finding the notepad, the Death Eaters were sure to have searched her house. She imagined her books strewn about, her sofa ripped of its cushions, possibly sliced open. It would likely take a lot of work to fix up. She hoped not that much was utterly destroyed. Many things can be fixed by magic, but her bed was certainly too far gone. It made her frustrated and angry, but at the same time, it didn't bother her as much as she thought it should. She had both magic and money in abundance. Just about everything she owned was easily replaceable. She took inventory in her mind, trying to think of anything she would sorely miss, and was relieved when she realized that every sentimental item she thought of, including her school trunk and the book Dumbledore had given her, were safely locked away in her vault at Gringotts. The fireplace chimed and all eyes fell upon it expectantly. George entered first, followed closely by Fred. They glanced at all the hard glares directed upon them and shuffled to the side of the fireplace, avoiding everyone's eyes. Mr. Weasley entered next and had the same expression, stepping into the side of the fireplace. They didn't say a word. All appeared to wait until their group was whole before addressing any of the angry women. Narcissa and Aurelian alone seemed unperturbed. Hermione's ire mounted with each subsequent arrival. Once Ron had stepped through and taken his place next to his father, Hermione got to her feet and stared into the flames waiting for Harry to show. "'How dare you!' she shouted the moment his foot touched the stone. She moved in front of him and stared heatedly into his green eyes. When she found remorse there, it only fueled her anger. He didn't know true remorse, not until she finished giving him a piece of her mind. "'How dare you go to my home like that without consulting me?' secretly making plans behind my back. I'm not a child, Harry. I'm not weak. I should be able to decide for myself when and how I should be protected. I thought that after all we've... Hermione stopped suddenly when it dawned on her that something else about the scene felt off. The twins stood silently to one side with their hands in their pockets and their eyes on the floor. She turned around and saw that Arthur held the same posture. Ron, next to him, stared off dejectedly with his hands clasped in front of him. She looked at Harry with growing anxiety and softly uttered the question that first came to her mind. Where are my things? Harry shook his head sadly, filled with great sorrow as he spoke. I'm sorry, Hermione. It's gone. They destroyed it. Hermione's breath caught. What did he mean by that? They set fire to it. Nothing was salvageable. The damage is irreparable, he said quietly. She couldn't breathe. Her heartbeat pounded in her head. 
The Muggle Fire Department was there when we arrived. We altered their memories, and... Harry's continued explanation was merely a far-off echo as Hermione found herself trapped in her thoughts. She had been thinking only moments before that all of her things were replaceable, but she had never imagined that she would lose it all. All the small things pushed their way to the front of her mind. Her couch, where she liked to snuggle down and watch television. The balcony outside her window, where she often stood in the morning with a cup of tea. Her armchair by the window, where she loved to read. Her books, Merlin, her books! She had over a hundred of them, and they were all nothing but ashes now. Her favorite blanket, her favorite skillet, her favorite dress, her favorite painting, and everything else she owned was gone. It made sense to her why she had been unable to summon anything that morning. There was nothing to summon. A terrible pain twisted in her gut. It wasn't just the things. She knew it was all replaceable. But together, as a whole, they made up her home. It wasn't just her things that were destroyed. She had lost her home. It was a place of comfort. No matter how wonderful or terrible her days were, she always returned there. Suddenly, when everything was done, she wouldn't have a home there waiting for her. Where will I go? The words unwittingly slipped from her lips. It was then that she realized she was no longer standing. She had fallen to her knees upon the floor. She watched as the scuff marks on Harry's trainers went in and out of focus while the silent tears fell from her eyes. Hermione, Harry said gently as he came to kneel in front of her, no matter what may happen in your life, you know that you will always have a place to go. Hermione nodded. It was true. She had many amazing people in her life, and she would never be without a place to go. But it just wasn't the same as home. She scolded herself for such thoughts. She had already gone through it in her head. Everything she owned was replaceable. In fact, she had already talked about how it would soon need to get a new place that was bigger for her and Aurelian. She had more than enough award money from the Order of Merlin, and she would receive insurance money from the fire. It was not the end of the world, even if it momentarily felt like it. Hermione felt Draco kneel at her side, and she melted against him when he pulled her to his chest. She would get through it, she knew. One day, after everything was done, she would find peace and happiness again. She only had to hold tight to that thought as she continued to push through. "'Why Mummy crying?' Aurelian asked anxiously. "'Mummy's a little sad right now,' Ginny said quietly, pulling him into her lap. "'Why?' "'Mummy and Aurelian's home isn't there anymore. It makes her sad,' Ginny whispered into his ear. Despite how softly Ginny spoke, Hermione could still hear it in the quiet room. Everyone safe here, Aurelian repeated the line that had been told to him over and over since he first arrived. Yes, you're right, Ginny assured him. Everyone is safe here. I think I'd like to rest now, Hermione said, forcing her voice to remain steady. She climbed to her feet and held herself tall. It was the only way she would not crumble under all of the looks of pity she was receiving. Would you like me to come with you? Draco asked quietly. Hermione paused to truly consider it. She wondered whether she might just like some time to herself, but the thought of lying in a cold foreign bed alone made the world feel too harsh. What she wanted now was a piece of home, and Draco's warm arms wrapped around her were the only bit of home she had left. No, no nap. Mummy, Daddy, play with Ori, Aurelian protested. They're still really tired, Ori, Fred told him. Let's let them have a little rest so that they can feel better. We could even play while they rest, said George. You know how to play Exploding Snap? Or Ron says that you're really starting to like gobstones, 
George said hopefully. You play gobstones with me? Aurelian asked. Absolutely. Come on, buddy. Fred took Aurelian's hand and paused as he passed Hermione. The words he wanted just didn't come. Serious times like those made it difficult for him to express himself. We're really sorry, Hermione, George said. Fred nodded in agreement. They both sighed heavily and started up the stairs. Hermione looked back at Harry, the heaviness in his eyes that had always hurt her so deeply. Is there anything I can do? he asked helplessly. She smiled sadly. Sleep, Harry. You need your rest, too. 